What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, yes, if you're any kind of rock fan, you know what I just played right there. We kicked off the show today with that one right there. What a barn burner. Hellraiser by The Sweet, a single-only release from 1973 yes welcome to part three of four the odds and ends of 1973 i will not do a refresher on what the odds and ends are but if you don't know go back a few episodes because you need to get to part one if you're on this one and you haven't heard the other two 
Yes, Sweet, a band that was massively on fire at this point in 1973. I believe they put out like four or five single-only releases on their way to having a U.S. release finally with Desolation Boulevard, but that'll be in 1974. I picked out three of their big singles here for the odds and ends of 1973. We already played Ballroom Blitz on part one, and we're going to have another awesome single by The Sweet on the next part. There's my tease. Let's get back to the music. This one comes off an all-covers album of a guy who was massively riding high in 1973. Arguably the peak of his popularity, at least in the 70s for sure. He would have a big upswing in the 80s as well. And then just to go on and become one of the all-time icons in the history of music. And a man who was very missed, Mr. David Bowie. David put out a decently polarizing all-covers album in 1973 called Pinups. And I like Pinups, by the way, for what it's worth. I really wish we could have gotten Pinups too at some point because he was working on that. And some songs did come out from that session. And if you didn't know, Pinups is basically a conceptual covers album because it's all European-based artists. Artists from the UK and it's songs that David grew up on that he was a fan of. And that's the main reason why he put this record is to pay tribute to those who came before him. There's a lot of great stuff on here. He does the Friday on my mind. Of course, the easy beats, a classic right there. Uh, Sorrow. Here comes the night. There's a lot of bangers on here. He does two who songs and I'm going to feature one of them right here. A song that I actually knew in my youth. I knew this to be a scorpion song, by the way, full disclosure. The first time I heard it, it was the scorpions covering it. So that might give you an idea of what I'm about to play right here. Good version here by Bowie from pinups. This is I can't explain. wrong to take this out and out garage rock proto-punk classic like i can't explain and slow it into a mid-tempo but just further proof that bowie and the spiders could really do anything at that point especially so i kind of like the sleek sexy swagger of that version and a true cover song for that reason that was i can't explain by david bowie off of pinups if your opinion of that record is maybe a little skewed then try to give it a re-listen see how it sounds 50 years later Maybe you'll discover something you actually like about it. So that's my suggestion, at least. And we're on to another covers album right here and a different kind of concept, but conceptual nonetheless. One of my all-time favorite songwriters. And I find it interesting when people that can write so prolifically choose to do cover songs. And maybe it's just out of laziness at that point. But 
at the same time, I feel like it's got to be especially from the heart, because otherwise, why do it if you can just crank out songs all the time but and make more money doing it, honestly? Uh, but yes, the late, great Harry Nelson with this very polarizing covers album. You think Pinups is polarizing. At least he did rock and roll on that one. A little touch of Schmilson in the night. So after the massive success of Nelson Schmilson in the early 70s, he did the Son of Schmilson record, which kind of proved to be a little bit of a disaster. And I love that record, and I talked about it on previous episodes, but it was considered a failure, especially compared to the album that came out prior to that. So I don't know if he just freaked out or what. I don't know the whole background really behind why he did this, but I'm assuming that's maybe just the case. Like, hey, I'm just going to do this then. (laughs) Screw it. So... Once again, my theory, but I feel like some of this may be spot on. So Harry just decided, you know what? I'm going to do an all covers record and I'm going to do like an all easy listening covers album, like old songs, like pre-pop music type stuff. I guess some stuff that was considered pop music at the time, but not at this point, not at all. It's the stuff you hear in films more often than not than like hearing it under radio, even in the 70s, maybe an oldie station, but Yeah, a little touch of Schmilson in the night. I do love this record just strictly for the vibe. It is one of the ultimate late night records to put on. I and my better half have fallen asleep to this album countless times, endless amounts of times. Yeah, so love that record kind of on that principle as well. And I actually learned something off of the Wikipedia about this record, which I thought was really neat. I've often wondered here and there when I look at the album cover, it's a very simple album cover, but he's dressed decently nice and he's got two buttons of two different people on his lapel. And it says here that one of the people on the buttons is Harry's son, Zach Nilsson. And the other one is the person that the album is actually dedicated to. And here's a real sign of the times, because this is fresh material at this point. The man on the button and the dedication is to a guy named Frank Wills, who is the security guard from the Watergate Hotel who discovered the Watergate break-in, which ultimately led to the demise of Nixon. So there you have it. I'm assuming at some point, some rock and roll band will dedicate and put in an Easter egg to Stormy Daniels on their record at some point. It's inevitable, right? But back to Harry Nilsson, a little touch of Schmilson in the night, a very schmaltzy, very nice, pleasant, easy listening kind of record. And I'm just going to play the kickoff track right here, which kicks off with a little nod to an all-time film classic. But this is Lazy Moon. You must remember this. A kiss is still a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh The fundamental things apply Show your face above the hill 
Harry Nelson right there with Lazy Moon from A Little Touch of Schmilson in the Night, his Easy Listening Covers album. So massively, with air quotes slightly, if you're into that sort of thing, you could do no better than going down that one. So yeah, a little late night action. Maybe you're out on vacation or something at night on the beach. Throw that one on the phone. I think that one will work. Okay. We move on to something completely different. And I'm talking like all the way from California in the 70s, all the way to Ghana, West Africa. And I am massively fascinated by the whole West African British thing where, and I'm assuming it's probably for all the wrong reasons why there's a lot of that cross-pollination with both of those countries and their cultures and everything. I'm sure it has to do with bad stuff, probably slavery and wars and all that kind of shitty stuff. But There's so much connection in music history with the whole West African British thing. And it's led to some amazing stuff. Still bands that I'm discovering. It's like when I was a kid, it was like Billy Ocean. He was the main guy that that did that, that crossed over from both of those aisles. And he was the famous guy at the time. But you're talking about like a roots band, like this band right here. And I don't even know if I'm pronouncing the name right, to be fair. So I'm just going to go with Osibisa. Let's go with that. The reason I'm playing them here is because I just recently found out about them. I've never actually seen this film that I'm about to reference, but these guys had the unenviable task of attempting to replace Curtis Mayfield as the musical narrator, and by that definition, the co-star of the sequel to Superfly, called Superfly TNT, which and the only reason I ever heard that, it got referenced in Pulp Fiction, I believe, a while back. And also because the movie, the sequel, takes place in West Africa. So I don't know how Young Blood Priest got to West Africa, but I'm assuming it's for the reasons that we all think. Maybe not so much slavery and war, but I'm assuming drug dealing. Okay, uh, but yes, the other reason I've never seen Superfly TNT, it's because it's never been made available digitally so i gotta hunt this down and find it somehow somewhere out there in the world because i love the original superfly so i need to look this up for sure so as soon as i finish my dolomite box set i'm all over it and i mean that but until then enjoy the theme song to the superfly sequel superfly tnt this is osibisa with that title track
right. Hope you enjoyed that right there. The Superfly TNT theme by Osibisa. And as we move from the British Isles to the jungles of West Africa, all the way to the jungles of Brooklyn, New York. No, I'm just kidding, but kind of not kidding. This band right here, I, I want to say most of the bands that exist in 1973, I would say are very much of the times, which isn't a bad thing at all, because honestly, it's hard to not say that music didn't peak in the 70s. But this band might have been slightly ahead of their time. Uh, further proof, this is a highly sampled band in the world of hip-hop. And especially this one song I'm going to play, I was just like, whoa, there's that sample. Okay, it's right there up front. But listening to these records, man, I've really been enjoying these guys. So this has kind of been a fun gem of a band for me right here going through the early 70s. But this band here called Mandrill, yes, one word, Mandrill, which definitely hitting that roots thing because it's definitely named after the animal but much like mfsb a double dipper in 1973 they had two full-length albums out in the calendar year of 1973 and another band that is predominantly an instrumental act but man whatever subgenres they tackle they just put it all in a blender and they put it on their records so it's like soul r&b jazz funk all of the tremendous tremendous pieces of culture that african americans have given us into music it's all here on the Mandrill record. So I got to play two of these here in a double shot. The second song is the one I referenced where it's like, you probably hopefully should know this sample for sure. But we're going to kick things off with a really, really cool single of theirs. This one's called Fence Walk. <laughs> Oh, man. 
All right. That's a hot twofer, if you ask me. A twofer by Mandrill from their two albums in 1973. The first album being The Composite Truth with that song Fence Walk on there. And I believe that was the single for it. And the fact that I've never heard that song in like a Tarantino or a Guy Ritchie movie is honestly kind of inexcusable. But there you have it. And that second song right there, that monster called Two Sisters of Mercy appears on their fourth album called Just Outside of Town. And yes, if you are any kind of decent music fan, you'll recognize that as the main bass line in Public Enemies by the time I get to Arizona, an all-timer right there. Okay, let's uh, let's bring everybody to the block party. Now, you're, you're everyone's invited to my musical universal block party as long as you're not a piece of shit. Let's just say that these are all good people right here. So, me as a big David Lee Roth guy, over the years I've come to appreciate just kind of one of the main inspirations, especially for Dave's on-stage persona, which defined his look and a lot of his mannerisms. A lot of people say that he got it from Jim Dandy of Black Oak, Arkansas. And upon further investigation, I'd say they're pretty much spot on. Obviously, there's a lot of other stuff in there. Dave is a blender guy like I am. But yeah, you could see a lot of the Jim Dandy influence, especially in the early Dave stuff. And so yeah, I like a good amount of Black Oak, Arkansas. I'm not a super fan, but I will say, if you're going to do anything by those guys, much like a lot of decent bands of the 70s, you're going to want to go with their live album, Ronch and Roll Live. I feel like that's really the best thing that they've ever put out. And this first song here will probably be one of the proof positives of that. And then we're also going to finish off this twofer with an an all-time great example of Blue-Eyed Blues. So let's kick things off with Black Oak, Arkansas from Ronch and Roll. This is Hot and Nasty. Turn it up. All right, does everybody have the sweat running smooth on their skin? Yeah, I think it's time we all hunts right down and find out what it's all about. Get down to where we know one another, so to speak. I think it's time we hunch down and get just downright hot and nasty.
Still holding out for this to happen and with the timely announcement of the mayhem series coming out if you don't know about that go look it up mayhem it'll be on disney plus soon i'm really hoping that the quote-unquote mayhem actually finally turn in that cover that i've been waiting for for decades is them doing that song right there it's just right in the pocket still alive and well by the great great johnny winter and I got to say, in a push, Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo is probably the best Rick Derringer song of all time. 
but that one is a very close second. Yes, that song was written by a bandmate of Johnny and Edgar, and they all performed together and did tons of shows together. Still alive and well. Man, that thing jams. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs of 1973. I wanted to give a little nod there to Rick, too, because uh, Rock and Roll Uchiku is not going to make the album's countdown, because, uh, or at least, I, was it All American Boy is the name of the album? Uh, unfortunately, I didn't like it as much as I really wanted to. I don't think it's going to make the cut, even though Rock and Roll Uchiku is one of the great all-time rock and roll anthems. But yes, that one right there, still alive and well, once again, off of the album of the same name. The reason I included that on the Odds and Ends episode is basically that album is an all-covers album for all intents and purposes, so I just couldn't, in fairness, include it in the album's countdown. That might be a controversial pick and opinion, but that's just how it is as far as when I do my shows. I need to have some sort of discipline like that. Otherwise, if you did all covers, if the songs are good and you do a decent enough job, you get that point automatically, I think. So there you have it. And I am so massively not a fan of Blue-Eyed Blues, but the winners, 1,000% will get that cultural pass of all time. Not just from me, but I believe from everybody. They were that great. All right, so once again, it's time for the prog section of the odds and ends of 1973. We're going to close off a show with a big prog twofer because they do tie into each other very well. We got something off a studio album and something off of a live album, but they have one person in common. They both have Rick Wakeman in common. So we're going to start off this twofer with something off of Rick Wakeman's solo album, his sophomore solo album called The Six Wives of Henry VIII. And yes, it is what it says it is. There are six songs on the record, and all six songs are dedicated and composed for the six different wives of Henry VIII. Interesting. That is so prog. I mean, Rick really went full prog when he went solo. I mean, he's got the King Arthur stuff going on, Journey to the Center of the Earth, all that stuff. I think he did like a whole Franz Liszt album. Look for that in a future episode. Uh, but yes, as far as I understand, on a simple basis here, Rick was decently frustrated with the recordings of what Yes was doing in 1973. So this was him kind of getting it out of his system. I believe at this time, or maybe it's at the time of the Yes album in question, that Sabbath was doing their Sabbath Bloody Sabbath record, and they were sharing that Castle Studio together. And so that's why Rick appears on a song on Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. And yeah, they're all friends and everything. They, they all know each other. But yes, this will be a Rick Wakeman double shot right here. We'll kick things off with a song from the Six Wives of Henry VIII, which is actually, surprisingly, I liked the record. I thought it was very well done. Kept my interest. And that's hard to do with instrumental records for me. I've said it time and time again. And we're going to finish things off with something off of the epic, absolutely epic, was it triple or quadruple live vinyl album Yes Songs from their world tour so a lot of great performances on there. So I'm, I'll pick one to throw in on there, but it'll be a great closer regardless. So kicking off this twofer, we got Rick Wakeman and his tribute to Catherine of Aragon.
Closing off the show here tonight with a Rick Wakeman double shot. Who would have guessed that? Yes, Catherine of Aragon, followed by a live version of Roundabout. Yes, a song you've heard a billion times on classic rock radio. But if I was ever running like my own custom Sirius channel, which is the dream, I would feel the need still to play some of those classics, but I think I would lean on maybe playing either like an alternate take version or like a live version like that. Because how do you not have Roundabout on your playlist? So there you have it. Yes, Roundabout. Look for some more Yes coming up on our top albums of 1973 Countdown coming up. We got one more odds and ends section to go through before we get to that. So join me on all those things, won't you? Till then, stay tuned from a better half NOLA with the plugs and followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, NOLA. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rock Strikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.